Hello listeners, welcome to our 2023 season 4 first podcast. This season our theme is on growing positively. We would like to thank our listeners who were polled last year to get your views on what are the broad themes you would like to be addressed this year on our podcast. There were broad themes in these times of uncertainty, geopolitics, war, food security, job security, recession, personal growth and strength to face the challenges and impending crises. the world is facing our teams work to chart out the lineup of speakers we would like to invite for our podcast this year to address these issues and hence our theme for 2023 is growing positively this builds on from our 2022 theme of health and happiness which you appreciated and provided positive let me walk you through some of the highlights of what you as listeners have given us in our 2022 season 3 number 1 quote and quote produced over 700 minutes of high impact business podcast content in 2022 just to give you the sense of effort we spent over 350 man hours of effort in 2022 with our teams to research produce distribute this podcast that could give you business and personal impact In terms of our ranking we were amongst the top 10% of business podcasts in India as per Spotify. Your podcast quote and quote with KK is heard in over 27 countries regularly and the top countries being India, US, UK, Singapore. As a result your podcast is amongst the top 10% of the most shared podcasts globally. During the year 2022 listeners streams and followers globally doubled than the previous 2021. I like to thank you a big shout out to all our listeners who have motivated encouraged us to do more and more coming to today's podcast 2023 space is the least ventured and explored space in mankind for ages there have been astronomers who have shaped our ideas around constellations and galaxies but the real push in space exploration and research occurred over 50 years ago when man first went into space and then also stepped on as a kid we all aspired to be an astronaut and fly Later on, as we grew, we were fed with the sci-fi movies of Lucasfilm, such as Star Wars, into the future of space adventure. And we have all dreamed of going into space, which is now going to be a reality in the next decade. Coming to India, in our childhood, we saw the launch of our satellite Aryabhatta and rockets on Doordarshan, which was telecasted live. These were all driven by government-funded space program. Over the years, India's flagship space research organization, the ISRO, launched the Mars mission. successfully at the lowest cost in 2018 i happened to visit the man on the moon mission the chandrayaan training facility for astronaut in bangalore and was pretty impressed to see what all was going on to train and send a human to the moon yet are all funded by the indian government as per the current estimate our space economy is pegged at around 10 billion dollars not a big size but recently a private sector player dhruva space launched a satellite in space and now plans to launch full fledged commercial satellites in this is a huge milestone in india's private sector space in today's podcast growing into the space frontiers we have invited sanjay nikan who is the ceo and founder of dhruva space private limited the company behind sending the private satellite he has an interesting space journey as a space entrepreneur and we would discuss all of this today let me walk you through his profile sanjay has worked on small satellite program and stratospheric pyramids across asia and europe some of which notable ones are the SRM sat mission india's first student satellite project and the volox p mission in singapore sanjay is a graduate in electronic and telecommunications from shri ramaswamy memorial university chennai and he has double masters degree one in space technology and other in special technology instrumentation over the years i have seen and heard about dhruva way back in 2012 when they were working as a national startup and was awarded as one of the leading startup in the satellite and space i am really encouraged to see that private sector is step last year dhruva space actually launched a satellite and now is in the process of launching several so let me go over and discuss how do we grow into the space so welcome to quote and quote with kk we start our season 4 2023 on an interesting journey of growing positively our indian space program and 
going out of the earth's atmosphere and sanjay very inspiring journey you have had i would love just for the audience sake can you talk about it i know what obstacles it takes what are the challenges you have faced so that the dream the space dream of many other millions of people is reconfirmed on our podcast today thank you kk thanks for having me on the podcast today and especially the tag of thinking positively so my journey of space started when i was still in college so you know when back in 2008 2009 i was uh, studying electronics and telecommunication engineering at srm university in chennai and one of the days there was a scientist from isro who had come to our university and said you know we as students could uh, actually build satellites back in 2008 2009 at 17 18 years old i kind of felt that he's probably joking it's definitely not a cup of tea or coffee for for a student to build a natural satellite but you know the college management actually took up the initiative to enable the students to actually build a satellite and within a time frame of about 24 to 36 months we had actually built a full scale nano satellite which also happens to be india's first student nano satellite called the srm sat and during this process of building the satellite i realized that you know we are a country with a billion people but there's not a single private company which is well known for building satellites or rockets or even operating any satellite enabled services so that was my real motivation so i i felt very very uncomfortable about the fact that you know in a country with a billion people nobody was actually privately building satellites and that led to founding dhruva space in 2012 primarily with a vision to lead the privatization of satellite industry in india I think it's been more than a decade and when you ask me specifically about challenges i would say are we had two main challenges obstacles the first one was you know finding customers the second one was finding capital right and if you go deeper into this you would understand that you know both of them are in one way or the other interrelated right you you go to investors for raising capital they would ask where is the customer you go to the customer the customer will say i'll give you the order but do you have the capital to build it so uh, over a period of time we kind of we were able to resolve this issue by actually finding customers for our products even before we built them to be very honest a lot of our products are actually funded by our customers so we uh, we were able to utilize or rather leverage that opportunity of customer base to build products and then scale up on those products which eventually also helped us in raising capital so on so fortunately put i belong from the vc in investing industry and my interest is in healthcare so i'm going to bring up a few issues how i solved this whole thing for the life sciences industry again very research and very development oriented just like what you have gone through and one of the things that we did uh, when i was uh, with our industry body called able here was to set up a ignition grant fund for the life sciences industry with a grant based funding by the department of biotechnology ministry of science and technology haven't there been such initiatives by the ministry of science and technology for space so kk to be very honest i think over the years the policies have definitely been a very strong enabler i would like to quote a few the especially the startup india initiative is a huge strength for for new entrants into this industry today you can go look at government orders and and bid for those orders right and indirectly you know what is the requirement and you know if you are eventually able to win that order and deliver that would also mean that you have a product that you can look at scaling it up that so the startup in the initiative is one such thing the second one is i think the grants being given by dst by dot definitely add up and i think uh, there are several other schemes listed under startup india competitions also again listed under startup india which i believe are enablers today so when i started the company in 2012 there were not there were no such initiatives so this is a transformation that has happened in the last 10 years great also help me understand when isro first launched its uh, rocket it failed people used to laugh especially nasa and you know many other forward looking countries in the space race and obviously people like you who are aspiring to take up a career in this space space would basically then say okay let's go and join nasa and 
work under their programs and do things so obviously uh, you know attracting talent and getting them to work on such a i would say risky propositions may work may not work you know we've seen prime minister modi hug our isro director general when the moon lander failed to open up and encourage i think these are things that have i believe have led talent to believe that they can do something but in those early days of you starting up without capital without customers how did you manage to build up a team this is really entrepreneur yeah so so i'll just give you a little bit of a framework or you know how we how our transformation has happened over this uh, 10 year uh, period so you know when we started the company in 2012 we were largely our market was largely restricted to what looking at isro as a potential customer but more than isro we were largely looking at academic institutions in the country who were who had ambitions to build satellites right so my idea was to enable those academic institutions to in their space program but over the years you know what has happened is that has transformed from you know going focusing on academia research to actually focusing on corporates enterprises government and military type of customers so in our early days when we were looking for talent space in general excites uh, brings in a lot of excitement amongst general public right correct uh, people are always fascinated by the stars and when you talk about building satellites there's always a lot of interest coming from young talent to be a part of those programs and today if you dissect any space program right you while you have space engineers you also have a lot of engineers who are specialists in their own core domain for example you have electrical engineers you have computer science engineers you have mechanical engineers so on and so forth so for us you know talent was never really a, a big issue we were able to identify extremely passionate people uh, who wanted to be a part of the journey and look at you know growing this passion towards a really scalable and sustainable business i wanted to bring up your journey you launch india's first private satellite in space with the help of a launcher of isro and now you are looking to scale this into much more commercial having yes. proven that your technology works and your prototype that you have experimented are now getting productized what do you see as a future for private space entrepreneurs like you in india so i think so let's let's go back a bit and you know understand the history of space and what what has really been happening right so from the 1960s until early 2020 there were probably about uh, 20000 satellites launched right, right. from 2020 until 2035 it is estimated that there will be about 100000 satellites launched now that's a staggering number like you're talking about launching a crazy number of satellites in a short period of time now if we if we go back and understand any space mission there are three parts to it okay the first part is your space segment which deals with manufacturing of satellites the second is the launch segment which deals with you know the rocket carrying the satellites and putting them into orbit the third is the ground segment which deals with operating the satellites once they are in orbit and then you have the fourth segment which is your application of using these satellites and you know doing whatever so in 2022 we were essentially able to demonstrate our ability on the three building blocks so we were able to build the satellite we were able to launch the satellite and we were able to operate our satellite today we see that there's a huge market potential where india can play a very very important role you know whether it is manufacturing of satellites or manufacturing of satellite components whether it is launching satellites or creating launch services or operating satellites or utilizing the assets to provide a specific service for people on earth so i believe that there is a humongous amount of potential that is available for private space on entrepreneurs in the country to thrive not just within india but also to serve the large global market outside of india talking about potential i wanted to run past with you some stats i do not know how true they are but according to some futurists space economy will be 10% of earth's economy by 2050 i do not know how they have assumed it what is the number how they have gone about it but i would love to get your views on these numbers because today india 
spends about 2% of its GDP on the space economy. And why do you think it is so low? And should the government not invite private sector and start with also foreign direct investment through people like the private equities and many other class of investors to open up this sector? Yeah, so I think there are multiple questions here. So I'll address one after the other. The first one is on, on how the space economy would look like in 2050. See, my take is that space has always been an enabler to enable or better the lives of people on earth right today right. you if you look at television it's a you know the bright spot it, there is a satellite in it. If you look at your navigation, you have a satellite in there. You have your weather, you have a satellite in there, right? So pretty much satellite is part of everybody's life today. So this is broadly what we see, right? This is seen. But now I'll give you some examples which very few people know. A lot of technologies that we have used on Earth or we continue to use on Earth have all been developed in space. For example, okay. if you look at, uh, if you've heard of this company called Goodyear, Goodyear actually makes these tires, right? Yes, so initially, correct. Goodyear used to make parachutes for the human spaceflight program. So the strands that they used, the strength was so good that they were able to look at increasing the life of the radial tire. If you look at the LASIK surgery that is done for your eyes, that was also a technology that was used for space missions in the past. If you look at the soles that you use in your shoes, they were also once, they are all technologies that are spun off from space. The most modern one, your optical fibers right so there is a possibility that you know if you produce optical fibers in space that is manufacture optical fibers in space they'll be much more efficient so i believe that yes in a way space will contribute in a very very big way to the global economy by 2050 there is extremely high chances that it will play a very important role in that now when it comes to the quantum of budget being allocated by the government for the space program, etc. See, the Indian space program, right, is well known for its frugal innovation. You would often see people comparing the foreign, you know, the Western market space budgets with Indian space budget. And people would say that we achieved so many things in such a low cost. So while there is definitely a room for increasing the budget, the fact of the matter is that steadily and consistently over the last 10 years, the Indian government has always been increasing the budget allocations for the space sector, especially the government space sector. Now, with the policies coming into place where they would want the private space companies to also do more. So the government has never stopped any private companies from doing anything in space. Any regular company could have built technologies that could be utilized in space in the past. Today, what government is saying is, as a private company, you could also build your own satellites and offer services, not just within India, but also outside of India. Now that changes the whole perspective or the potential on what the Indian space ecosystem or the Indian industry can contribute to the global space market. So long story short, I think the budgets have consistently been increasing with the new policies that are being coming up from government of India. I think there will be more and more space players coming in to support the global requirements. And with respect to investors, uh, I think if you if you go back and, and look at my journey of building the company over the last 10 years, the number of investors in 2012 versus number of investors in, in 2022 has increased significantly. The amount of capital that has gone into the Indian private space tech startups is in the order of at least $100 million, which is not bad. I mean, we can. there is always a room to grow exponentially and also take in more capital exponentially. But I think the missing piece was this ecosystem to get recognized, which I think has now 
happened so i believe that the next 3 to 5 years will be a very very exciting period for existing space entrepreneurs and new space entrepreneurs and obviously for investors a great time to actually enter the market exactly now let me just because i come from uh, the tech side of things in health tech so yeah. typically i look at hardware software right. satellite hardware then there is a software that will communicate very simplistically right so agreed our tech boom happened because of the labor cost arbitrage and then we kind of moved into productization of hardware slowly but surely we were developing designing chips for the intels of the world and now we are starting to now manufacture our chip it's an evolution because there are risks of product development in by 2050 where do you think you know india has always had this jugaad of cost reduction tech industry they have demonstrated in the space industry and as you mentioned isro has been it has sent their mass mission at the lowest cost uh, in the world so far right so there is some bit of innovation both on the hardware as well as on the software side where we are able to demonstrate that we are able to do it cheaper better faster but 2050 assuming that we are able to get the investment where the, the ecosystem everything in place where would india stand and what would be india's positioning in this race yeah very very good question this actually you know it, it reminds me of something a conversation that i uh, heard at an event so w- the conversation that i heard was that in the 60s and 70s there was a lot of manufacturing that actually happened in the country and in even also in early 80s but in mid 80s early 90s uh, due to some policy changes people started people/businesses started looking at moving away from manufacturing to looking at doing trading so right. what essentially happened is it actually killed a market potential right so instead of producing domestically we started looking at importing from abroad and you know just becoming an integrator right today the government has recognized that you know uh, for us to grow as a nation uh, it is extremely important that we produce things locally that we can also sell globally right so today the growth of our industry the innovation from a technology standpoint has largely been at a design level from a product engineering or from a innovative products coming into the market we would see that while in certain sectors it is happening a lot of sectors are not being not doing that well right so with the atmanirbharta and the new policies of producing microchips in the country so on and so forth i believe that by 2050 we will we will see a very very strong ecosystem to manufacture locally design locally and become a leader in actually bringing newer products to the world so if right. you ask me if i were to put a number i i believe that we should be in the top 3 if not top 5 by 2050 in terms of contributions to to the global engineering ecosystem now i just wanted to understand the flight systems and the rocketry systems you know the hal now they have a light combat aircraft now isro has created a world class rocketry system which is also reach mars and now it will land a person on the moon as well so we have done this through trial and error that's agreed because a productization always happens on a hardware through trial and error how good is this product now is this now good enough for reducing our future failures or we are still somewhere lacking some of our expertise to make it fail safe okay so i think i would like to based on my experience i feel that acceptance of failure in india is is very tough we don't embrace failure as much as what our friends in other markets do so and if you look at the history i think in general based on my experience and you know what the stats show we have gotten a lot of our things right in the first attempt which is remarkable right, right. a case in point here is also the you know polar satellite launch vehicle right, right. so the pslv next year uh, sorry in the next couple of months we will be seeing pslv c55 take off right so that is the 55th rocket that isro is launching of the pslv series now if we go back and look at the number of failures of the pslv rocket that i mean they're fairly negligible when when you compare it with any other rocket company anywhere in the world that has actually built and 
demonstrated a rocket and you know the beauty of this framework is that this is also being brushed on to the to the private ecosystem right so the the entrepreneurs or private companies that are building technologies uh, are all based basing their model philosophy on how isro has built a world class space program by testing things significantly before you know actually doing the flight so long story short i believe that the processes that we have established over the years of you know being economical being doing a short turnaround time and most importantly being reliable will continue to be one of the greatest strengths of the indian space companies as well as the indian space research organization this one trend i'm seeing the space in the private sector is a billionaires game you had the virgin guy now you have elon musk in japan there is a billionaire who wanting to do a few things unfortunately our vijay malya is stranded in uk he would have done it flamboyant guy like the virgin guy branson so when do you think we would have our first space billionaire coming in who will take this on and say okay now i'm going to show the world what i can do well i i would again you know not compare apples and oranges but you know just if we go back in history and see what has happened right when india was building the indian space research organization and the indian space program a lot of countries did not really appreciate that you know a country where poverty and nation building was more important why were they actually investing in the space sector right okay. but also very true for indian entrepreneurs today it is not the question of flamboyance it is the question of necessity on what you can use the how you can utilize space technology for the betterment of lives of people on earth or how you can offer a new type of service not just for india but globally so on that note i would say that a lot of very large indian business houses have started to look at supporting indian space entrepreneurs so if you if you look at you know the number of space startups that have raised capital and if you go look up the number of investors who have supported you would see that there are a lot of uh, individual investors uh, okay. it could a, it could be a common man it could be it could be somebody who is who's doing a regular job but he sees the huge potential who's who supported these ambitions to large business houses founders who believe that you know something substantial can come out of this so the right from doing a calculative bet to actually thinking that you know we are not afraid of failure but we must support these people is an attitude that has come up so for me honestly i feel you know it's just a matter of time before the large business houses also you know look at this in a in a, in a very very different way i think uh, bharti airtel making an investment in in oneweb already shows a very significant sign of that and of course you know we have the other companies like very recently lnt and hl together uh, one a bid to build uh, the pslv rocket privately so so i think it's it's already happening as we speak i just want to relate my experience from the life sciences industry to build one blockbuster drug which can give you billions and billions of dollars in the r&d we need to actually spend about 7 8 years doing all the trial testing and human trials and before it can be launched commercially and that would take anywhere between 200 to 300 million dollars and none of the indian pharma companies would ever do that and so they would actually collaborate with the multinational companies abroad and say you know do cheaper better faster here and then they reverse learned and they started building their own molecules and their own product yeah. now what i am really thinking here is it's great obviously the money and backing financial backing came from the business houses or the large families who had interest in this sector what i believe is that in the next few years and i also aspire to go around the stratosphere in a concord around the earth one day at over max one speed i don't know whether i'll be medically fit so and there is a lot of people saying that we are going to offer this space tourism and programs and i visited your bangalore chandrayaan mission where they are training the astronauts and all these fighter jet pilots they are doing all the medical testing and seeing their airworthiness why shouldn't india not invest into space readiness space travel readiness and 
these sort of things and offer it very cheaply for the rest of the world. And that's also interesting for me because it's an area of space medicine, which I'm very much wanting to explore to invest. Yeah, a very good perspective and like to share some thoughts over here. So I think in general, right, our national space program has always has a priority. Priority is people, right? What we can do for what we can do for the for bettering the lives of people on planet Earth or in case of India as Indian citizens, right? So right from telemedicine to, you know, your television, etc. All of these were all the pioneering efforts of ISRO. So if you break it down and look at the two things that India focuses on and you put them in the list of priority, first priority is people. The second priority is technology. Now, if you look at the third priority, the third priority is a combination of one and two. And so I I believe that it's just a matter of time. We may not be the first ones to go to the moon. We may or may not be the first ones to go to Mars, but we are definitely there, right? That shows that we are second to none in terms of, you know, what we can achieve as as a country, right? So just like how you mentioned, there is always a possibility that before 2050, we will have a very good transportation program in India that will enable us to actually, uh, it may not take 14 or 18 hours to go to New York from India. Maybe that will be reduced significantly. And maybe there will be a Indian technology that is actually uh, acting as an enabler. But in terms of should be should that be the highest priority right now? I also believe probably not. You believe that Uberization of space India could capture? Let's not use Uber. Let's say Ola Olaization of. Uh, yeah, I mean there is there's definitely a possibility. See, as we as the space economy around the world grows, it is a matter of how how Indian entrepreneurs will leverage this potential because you mentioned uh, life sciences I'll actually give you an example right today for you to produce a molecule and get it out it will take you five years or ten years right seven years is, minimum yeah because you are you are doing several experiments you are looking at the growth of the molecule and so many other factors space in itself can actually be an enabler for drug discovery right Correct. because because of the microgravity environment your crystals will grow very differently now, you know, if you are able, Indian entrepreneurs, if those Indian regular drug producers also open a small wing to actually uh, look at, you know, doing some scientific research and producing these molecules, this would mean that we will be ahead of a lot of other people. So I think it's just a matter of time. I think everybody understands these uh, possibilities. Everybody is being very dynamic about what should be the priority in the current uh, change global scenario. I'm just tracing our life sciences and vaccine. COVID pandemic tilted the industry in India's favor globally as far as vaccines are concerned. And I'm just wondering what could be that pandemic, I don't want to use a negative thing, but an event in future that would lead or turn it in India's favor. Yes, cost is one factor where India can produce it cheaper, better, faster. And I'm just wondering maybe in the next 20 years or 30 years, and this is something I have no answers, but I'm just wondering what could be that event that can lead India into a leadership position in the world as far as space is concerned? And obviously, uh, the humanitarian objective is always there at the back of all of this. So it is very hard to tell what will drive India to become become a leader over here. But what I can tell you is, you know, if you compare the global economy, India is already in top five, right? right. We, we don't necessarily need any event for us to climb up the ladder right now it is a matter of optimization and making small small changes for us to grow up the ladder so i believe it's just a matter of time when we you know when we will move up the ladder and i think the government already you know recognizes the fact that we are probably can do a lot more in this market and that is why they are doing numerous consultations also with the industry to bring about a lot of changes that will blitz scale the 
opportunities. Look at your uh, policy changes at a space policy level, your remote sensing policy level, your communication policy level. So I think, you know, it's just a matter of time. I think we, uh, and it is not about being number one, but it is about being in the top three or top five and maintaining that position sustainably over a long period of time. Sanjay, I want to shift gears and ask you a pertinent question, which is on the politicalization of talent in space sector. Yeah. You know, there is a movie also that has been now nominated at Oscars called Rocketry. And the said individual was implicated for whatever reason for espionage. And in the life sciences industry also, this happens because the potential value of an innovation or a technology that you are building and researching could open billions of dollars of commercial success at any point in time, at any stage of its development. Similarly, I've not seen the movie, so I do not know what happens. But why is this negative trend that happened in our space journey of this politicalization at some stage and then it blew out of proportion that we had to actually even create an entertainment in form of a movie? Yeah, so so see, I have not seen situations like this occur in the in the modern scenario in a, in a big way. But if you go back and look at uh, history, a lot of technologies that we see today were all the outcome of the, you know, Cold War, right? Because there was, you know, there was a race, you know, there was an arms race, then there was a space race, and that has driven a lot of these things. Now, when in terms of owning IP, in terms of sharing IP, in terms of utilizing space for peaceful uses, there are frameworks established. We have the United Nations Office of Outer Space Affairs, which says that, you know, space should only be utilized for peaceful purposes. We should not be looking at uh, militarization of space, so on and so forth. So, and there is a general consensus amongst uh, all the all the nations that, you know, we should we should look at space as an enabler to, you know, better the lives of people on, on Earth. So I, I think as long as human mankind lives, I think there will always be the good guys, there will always be the bad guys. Now, you know, it's a question of, whether bad will take over the good or whatever, right? So I'm I really don't see that as issues and those are those are things that will continue to be there in a small form or a large form and we just have to deal with them as and when they occur. But I don't think there are issues of jeopardizing missions or jeopardizing what how people want to explore space or want to go beyond Earth for for reaching Moon, Mars or even beyond. That's Let my just shift this politicalization to the international fora. So when there were Cold War, it was Reagan saying, I want to do certain thing that I can strike from space. Then we had this whole era of peace. Now China, which has built its Belt and Road Initiative of how to connect the world and has been investing in various countries to build ports and infrastructure, is now linking that space station also to the space initiatives and assigns 40 or 50 countries on board it on their Belt and Road as well as space and space initiative with the launch of their space station. And US has actually banned China for any exchange of information or technology from US or from NASA or any other US private enterprises to go to China. Another form of politicalization and one-upmanship, you say, or how do you view this when US says that it has to be for peaceful purposes and, and China wants to dominate as far as Earth is concerned by owning up the infrastructure and creating these countries, taking these countries to a debt trap. Is this a future uh, space trap, debt trap that China is creating by creating these sort of mega structures in space? Uh, so, so, forget about the debt trap for a moment. How I would view this as a uh, is a is a very exciting opportunity for people to get into space you know for their own benefit right and china is also a signatory for the peaceful use of space so last see, see today we are in 2023 right there are at least 90 plus countries in the world that have never launched anything into space and yeah. countries that have launched things into space more and more of they, they want to launch more and more of these satellites right because they understand the potential of what space can do for the GDP or for the betterment of their own people, etc. Right? So I think everybody has a interest to get into space, right? Now, whoever is providing the opportunity, people are trying to leverage
leverage that opportunity for their own benefits see also uh, when i would say i'm a strong uh, supporter of you know more keeping the geopolitics away from the space side of things because today if you look at the international space station right you have no even russia is pulling out of the nasa from next year onwards as i understand because of their tussle in ukraine yeah but see i mean these kinds of things have always been i mean how many times has this not been told in the last 20 30 years right i Correct. mean these are these are things that continue to happen and there are always changes made and you would see that you know at the end of the day you know as carl sagan said you know when you are in space you're one person you you know you're all alone you know you're all alone you don't talk about race you don't talk about nation everybody is one while the geopolitics might talk something else but from people who are actually doing the work for them all of this is just one right it is space and what space can do for people or what how space can benefit humankind so i think that you know these are things that will continue to be there and these things will always keep evolving and uh, countries will continue to work with each other to explore space today we have the international space station we have the chinese space station maybe in the future we will have an indian space station we will have a russian space station we'll probably have a lot more countries having their own space stations and today people are talking about private companies having their own space stations now private companies having their own space stations can in a way you know remove the geopolitics you know if Correct. so yeah that's my perspective hey i have a very basic and a very naive question you see on the earth there are different agencies gallup gives a ranking of countries on safety on work and different things there's no agency independent agency which ranks countries and private players as to how they rank in the world no i mean see from a from a space research perspective you have the united nations out uh, office of outer space affairs you know sir which uh, actually governs all the outer space uh, activities so a lot of countries are signatories of the outer space uh, treaty so you can actually look that up and that would give you more insights into what are the protocols that people follow like there's a entity of all the space assets that that a country is building etc so there are some standard frameworks and it is the un which which interacts with all the uh, nations in one form or the other so sanjay how do i know which is the best country or a player as far as space is concerned and okay. what are those parameters on which we should be judging them say if tomorrow i call an oscar of space in bangalore all right and i have to give awards what are those yeah. parameters to give awards on who's the best see uh, who's the best actor <laughs> who's the female yeah. actress so, you know all those awards how do we judge what are those parameters i am just trying to understand this It helps me to understand how do i invest on those parameters yeah so space in general has has been accorded for peaceful users that is point number 1 which no, i agree mention now with respect to how do you judge judge a particular country or you judge player in that country or so you so usually there are some very large events that happen like cospar or the international astronautical congress where you know people come and uh, publish their discoveries or their contributions for the for the space sector but then i have not seen people you know classifying and saying that you know uh, one country country is better than the other but you know it is actions speak louder than words right so it is already evident on who in one way could be better than the other by what by the number of assets they have in space or their contributions to space so there's no single metric to say that i would classify that they are the best over the other that has not been done and i don't think it should also be done but largely uh, one metric on which we could identify is uh, you know the contributions to to the space domain and who who do you think will get the oscars the space oscar you name all the all the india is definitely there china is definitely there russia is definitely there so us is already there so 
I think everybody has their own contributions in one form or the other. Also, like in Oscars, there are many divisions, right? Similarly, for the awards, there will be divisions and everybody Correct. gets an Categories. award. Yeah. Sanjay, I have a very big issue. You know, we have spoiled our planet Earth and now a lot of investments is going into ESG in the form of, you know, ecological, social and governance. And over the years, we are, say, we are talking about a lot of space debris getting accumulated in our stratosphere and above. Is there an idea I'm just propounding? Some entrepreneur comes and says, okay, I'll clear up all this and create a space junkyard, maybe thousands of miles away from all our rotating uh, Earth uh, satellites so that they don't collide each other or they don't harm each other. Is this possible? I'll give you some, uh, I'll give you a perspective. I think in a few years time, we'll have an asteroid, a junk asteroid around the belt around the Earth only. So I, I'll, I'll just give you a perspective. You know what, what is the size of the Earth, right? And you know how many people are on Earth, right? Roughly about 8, eight billion people. 8 right? billion plus now. Right. So if you combine or if you look at total number of objects launched till date, you have a number, right? That number is much, much, much lower than the number of people on Earth, right? And it is space. How big is space, right? So that's a perspective that you have to take away. That's point number one. Point number two, yes, space debris is definitely a problem for existing assets, existing space assets and new space assets. What we are doing about it and what we should be doing about it is yes, we need to solve the problem of clearing out the junk so that it no longer becomes a risk to existing space assets and newer space assets that are being launched should be launched responsibly so that they don't remain as junk for and cause trouble to other assets in the future. And today all the nations are looking at bringing in respective policies, national level policies to ensure that space debris doesn't become like a problem in the long run. So that's the long and short of the space debris side of it. So I was just thinking that space biodegradable, space degradable material sciences could be a, a new stream of science and space ecology could be another bet that would probably open up uh, in the future. So, so I would actually, yes, maybe, but largely, you know, the future of space is in human space flight, the future of space is also in serviceability of spacecraft and the future of space is also in going to other planets and exploring those planets, uh, you know, the planetary atmospheres or also even for resources. So I think humankind would uh, always continue to look at becoming a multi-planetary species. And these are these are all contributors like, you know, material science. And, you know, as long as a lot of improvements on our electronics happens, I think there will be newer types of applications and solutions that will come out in space. Yeah. I want to understand a few things before we wind up. One is if you are a VC in my place, what are the three areas in, in the future that you will bet on in this industry that you are playing in or you are operating? I would I would definitely bet on climate change. I would bet on human space flight and I would bet on uh, anybody who is building hardware that will go into space and uh, you know what they can do around satellites for improving lives of people on Earth. Great. Sanjay, if you had $100 million after exiting Dhruva, what would you do? <laughs> we'll think about it. But uh, <laughs> largely, I would continue to uh, invest in the space sector. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> but would you become, uh, would you bet on these three areas or you will go on to make another bigger venture? It's a, it's, it's a matter of time, but largely I would want to continue to work on solving some problems in the space sector. Probably around human space flight and what we can do. Sanjay, one thing on the telecommunication side, Elon Musk says that he's going to get his phones out and that will communicate directly to the satellite and connect via the satellite. He's creating his own network. So I think there is a space GSM network or whatever you call it, correct? And you know, long back there have been failures. In fact, in the 90s, I was doing a study on ICO, one of the stat, sat phone company which came to India but failed miserably. Do you think the future of communication and telecommunication 
is going to be linked to space and satellites and would the new norms or future of technologies will change to going out into the space and I could connect to anybody using these sort of sat phones. Obviously, I do not know how to describe it. I'm not a, a technologist there. How do you see that evolving? I think it is already happening. So the future of space is a combination of a terrestrial network I mean, the future of telecommunications is a combination of terrestrial networks and space networks. And we have already started to see those changes happen. We have Apple iPhones already having a ping option to talk to a satellite. So over the next few years, we would see that happen in a uh, in a much more sophisticated and in a much more simpler way. So yes, that is definitely the future of telecom, where space will become an integral part of your telecommunication unit. India is already creating its NAVIC, so it will have a fight with Google Maps sometime or other in, in the future, near future, right? Where do you think we should be building your, what are your next generation of satellites that you will be building on navigation, on communication? I'm just leading you into these sort of ideas for you to yeah. tell me where are you going to lead your development? So our, our goal is very, very clear. We know that we want to enable satellite constellations, right? And we are an application agnostic player. So we want to enable as many people to launch their sets of constellations for their sets of applications. It could be a company doing weather. It could be a company doing imaging of the planet. It could be a company that is doing telecommunications. So that's that's definitely one most important and immediate pathway that we see. In the future, considering that we are a fully vertically integrated company, meaning we build our satellites, we also launch the satellites, we also operate right. the satellites. I don't rule out the possibility of us having our own fleets of satellites to offer a specific type of service. And and even further, we, we definitely want to look at human spaceflight as I, as I mentioned earlier. That's great. Sanjay, I'm afraid we are coming at the end of our thing. Three rapid fire questions to you. One, how do you see yourself becoming a space minister in the government so that you can proactively guide policies uh, on space, not just for India, but internationally? Very much possible. And what would those agenda items be? I... We will. We, I will think about it after it happens. <laughs> okay. So you don't want to reveal it post facto. In the current changing market environment, it is. It is. It is pertinent that we have to think about you know in those scenarios and build a framework. And there is always a possibility that all these frameworks would be well established, and there would be no necessity for me to you know be a minister. No, we want to have our economy, space economy. So we will have a different union budget for space a union home minister guarding the space it's a different 2050 after you sir, have grown enough sir main engineer hu, politics utna nahi hu. so we'll see in the future i'm hoping that this politics is not entering in the space though yeah by 2050 yeah second what's your message to the youngsters everybody aspires even i was aspiring to become an astronaut when i was in school and when neil armstrong landed on the moon what's your message to the younger cohort because they don't listen to me or my podcast but what would it be the only thing that is stopping an aspiration from becoming a reality is giving up so don't give up that's a great one and finally you think your kids will be astronaut or they will be something else they my kid already like stars. I will leave it up to her to decide what she wants to become. Hey, that's great. Thanks so much for your time, Sanjay. Very proud of your achievements of being a private entrepreneur to send India's first private satellite in the space. And I would love to thank you for your time that you have spent as sponsors for getting it all in place. And obviously, this is a growth aspiration, growing positively in space. And we're glad to have you speak and open up your mind and talk about it candidly with us. Thanks so much, Sanjay. Thank you very much, KK. It was wonderful interacting with you. And I'm sure people would you know, want to come into the space sector. People who dream about becoming an astronaut, people who want to invest in the space sector, businesses that would like to leverage space and grow their business. So looking forward to exciting times ahead in the space sector positively. I'm hoping to have my next fund on space medicine. Good idea. Let's see. Yeah. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.